this may not be what the creators intended, but like it can't be an accident that this is in there. Look, I remember it fondly because it had dinosaurs, <laughs> but I remember it unfondly for every other reason. The Black Donnelly's is pure gold, and you guys are wrong. Joey Ice Cream uh, for president. I'm just saying that selfie belongs in the Criterion Collection. Is it working? Uh, <laughs> no. Never, never has anything worked for me in my life, Ronnie. <laughs> Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, Andy. I... Space, and I'm Evan. Hi, is this Jeff Goldblum? You're fired. Fire, I fired the fly, the actor from The Fly. I fired him. This is Ronnie. If you couldn't tell by those introductions, (laughs) Ending Firefly is a podcast where we end Firefly... We only covered Fireflies that lasted a single season. Uh, I'm Andy, and we're covering Firefly. We said we'd never do it, and here we are. My introduction sounded way better in my head. I want everyone to know (laughs) that. It was really funny, but not for the reason that you intended that it be funny. Yeah, right. (laughs) You got to leave it in. It's staying in. Oh, yeah. 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 We're here. We said we'd never be here. We're leading up to episode 200, which is... Fucking crazy that we've been doing this for 200 goddamn episodes. We have a guest. Hello, Alden. Hello. I love being a part of things that people said they'd never do. That's my favorite. Right? That's the best. Uh, Alden is a, a, a friend of mine from the from the internet. Uh, you do a, a ton of amazing work. Uh, I am very partial to Casterly Talk, uh, but... You, uh, God, I just blanked on the name of your Star Wars podcast, and that's embarrassing, but... Oh, it doesn't matter. It's called Doctor Radio, but it doesn't matter. Doctor Radio, I knew We're it. here in a different space universe. You have been. It was a great yeah. episode, too. Thank you. Well, we're thrilled to have you. Um, Ronnie and Evan, if, uh, if people listened last week, are notably not Firefly fans, so I was very excited to get someone who identifies as a Firefly fan to be here with me. Who identifies for, as a Firefly for the premiere. <laughs> to, whom, to whom Firefly is foundational to their identity. I, I self-identify right, yeah. as, as a Firefly fan as well, so. It's true. I do. I do indeed. From a, a wee lad at the movie stop getting my box set, I do identify. Hell yeah. Well, before we dive into Firefly, Evan has a bit for us. Evan has a bit? I, I'm doing the bit. Andy knows more about Firefly and will give better summaries, so I'm doing the bit. It's a pretty straightforward bit, but I think it's a good one. I thought I thought a little bit about it. Hmm. What are you naming your spaceship, and what two modifications are you making to your spaceship to make it cooler? Oh. Ooh. Oh, no. I gotta oh, have wow. the upgraded galley. I gotta have that that like gourmet kitchen on the ship. I'm not I'm not mm. just like dealing with the rudimentary basic rations kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is gonna be tip to toe, maybe a little like a uh, offshoot like cyber garden where like the tomatoes just like float in the air uh, and, and some like cyber cucumbers. Um, cyber is is not. Space, space, space cucumbers. <laughs> um, zero grav cucumbers. Zero grav cucumbers. Nice. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd have that going on. And uh, 
probably some probably a karaoke bar Mm. that Mm. that that would that would be uh involved and it would be called the sondheim that's oh wow Yeah, that's very good, Ronnie. Thank you. That all just came. I wish I could tell you that that is all pre-planned, but that all just kind of came to me fluid. Evan, this is the first bit where I've been like zeroed in and like ready to go. I I love it. Appreciate it. You fired off those answers. That was great. Yeah. Someone else. We're gonna just let's keep rolling. So I'm gonna use my Star Wars OC. Uh, This was from a uh, RPG session that I never actually got to play, but I put way too much effort into my backstory. Uh, (laughs) My my ship was a retrofitted Republic era Y wing, so it had the extra armor plating, Mm. and it was called Kadera's Ghost uh, because my character was from Jeddah, and um, this took place post Rogue One, so they were fucking pissed that Jedi got blowed up real good. Um, and I guess the, the custom modifications would be uh, the fact that it was Republic era. So it had the, the chunkier Y wing, which I really dig that design from clone wars. And um, it had uh, like a, a storage container that went between the two Y sections. And there were like smuggling compartments in there. And uh, there was, like, a drop-down hatch that more crew could go into, and it had, like, life support. So I guess that's the other big modification was that it had, like, people smuggling compartments in the back of this, uh, like, U-Haul trucker cargo container that fit between the two engines. That's fantastic. Rest in peace that that campaign never happened. Uh, I loved that character I made. That's amazing. I, I'm going to steal that approach of taking the name from an RPG. We just did a, an RPG series, uh, a few of us, Jerry from Bombad, our friend Michael uh, from All Remaining Systems, and Dan uh, Dan Miller, and uh, am I forgetting anybody that was there? Oh, no. Oh, and Jared uh, Bachman-Stubbs from Nerd Academy. And our ship playing off of Inglorious Bastards was called the Ionized Bastard. So I would take that name for the ship, and no matter how... I don't care if it's just two floors. I'm getting a Star Trek-esque elevator shaft built in. I want <laughs> convenience at all times. I want the full... I want to be able to walk in and stand there very seriously and then do dramatic... I want wonders of me going in the elevator and off. That's what I want. Yes, uh, that's with very the, good. The imaginary film crew that will be following me. And then the second thing is that I would... When, when purchasing this ship, I would ask uh, about making it dog-friendly. So there would be a little doghouse somewhere in there, and all all doors and blast doors would have smaller doors and blast doors inside of them <laughs> so, the, so my dog can run in and out wherever he uh, pleases. A, a dog-only hollow deck that they can, like, run around on and <laughs> yes. uh, oh, yeah. use, use the facilities. And then, He's just like, constantly just running. Up. And I'm like, yeah. he thinks he thinks he's in a dog park. He thinks he's in an open field. Chasing, chasing virtual squirrels, you know. Yes, exactly. I like the idea that everyone's like on the bridge, like ready to take off. And you're like, no, 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 wait, we're not all here. And then in comes the little doggy and sits in a little yeah. little captain's dog chair. And it's like, Tiny all right, door now, opens. Now we can take off. Yeah. He struts in all four. 
with a sh- right. little, little on badge. the little dog elevator that's right next to the the regular sized elevator. Precisely, you get me. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I'm calling my ship the Snallygaster because oh, I gotta I gotta rep Maryland and I also gotta rep my um you know fantasy is my genre more so than science fiction. So if I was in a science fiction setting, there would be weird fantasy elements woven in there you know there'd Mm. still be swords and shit you know like i mean star wars also does this but there'd still be swords and shit and uh, you know something starfinder you're in starfinder sure yeah yeah uh ship's called the snallygaster i would want some kind of like observation dome so that i could sit in Mm. it and look into the blackness of space you know i just think that would be very cool if you're in space I want to, like, fully experience it. So I want to, like, be immersed in space. I want to be able to mm. go into my little, like, observatory room and just, like, gaze out into the emptiness of space in, like, 360 degrees. Um, and I want my exhaust to be a different color. I want my I want my thruster jets to burn some kind of weird color, like how cars have those custom running lights, you know? <laughs> would you go for yeah. like a rainbow would you go for like what color are you got? i don't know chemically how it would work it doesn't matter i just want to be I, I need my exhaust to burn a different color than all of the other ships hmm. I, I you just would, want those you want those fancy space chemtrails that's all yeah. that's all you're into yeah so you that's know you like blue blue uh flames out the back of my ship or purple flames out the back of my ship or whatever cool 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 yeah Good that bit, observation, babe. that observation uh, room thing, very much reminds me. I don't know what if it is in uh, Xenon Girl of the Twenty First Century or Xenon the Sequel, uh, <laughs> but I feel like in one of those there was a very like three sixty degrees observation deck. I believe it was in the Sequel because I, believe I like the Sequel. It was when better. she was meeting, the, yeah, when she was meeting the aliens. Protozoa is a lot more down to earth in that one. <laughs> down to earth oh boom, that's pretty boom, good boom. or zoom boom, 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 boom. make my heart zoom, go zoom, boom, zoom. Boom. yeah yeah hell yeah that's supernova girl cinema pure it cinema. is yeah. i, I unironically loved that movie as a kid i watched it oh, for sure time. absolutely yeah. you could you could have your star treks you can have your star wars you can have your fireflies you give me xenon girl of the 21st century any day of it's the week. just like in the in the era of legacy sequels and all of that the fact that that is not top of the list at disney plus blows my mind like xenon like you know or the z awakens just like some girl finds Mm -hmm. her out there like it's right there i always loved her little her earrings that were compact discs yes that and smart house i feel like are begging for a soft soft reboot smart house is too real life yeah, yeah. Smart House would be te- yeah. yeah, Smart House would be a. I mean, this Smart is- House was a horror movie at the time, but Smart House would be an awful horror movie today. Yeah. Very terrifying. Jason Blum's Smart House, <laughs> two thousand one, A Space yeah. Odyssey, but set for wives. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they did a Pixel Perfect with Ricky Ullman, the pop star one, where he had it was another Disney one a few years after Smart House, where he had like made the perfect front woman for their band. But it was like, you know, the girl he was supposed to be with was there all along. No, no one was that. I don't remember that, that one. That, that, that more my that era, one, no. my more, more yeah. my time. You're, you're hanging out with the old folks today, Alden. After High School Musical, I kind of fell off, which is is not related. I don't think maybe it is. 
Um, it you shouldn't peaked. have been. High School Musical is a bop. But, it is. Um, All right. We're here to talk about Firefly. I'm, he- I'm ready to do my recap. Put, put me in, Coach. Someone tell me to. All right, to yeah, we we watched. Uh, t- t- I mean, two, three, two. We watched according to Hulu. We watched two episodes mm-hmm. of uh, Fox's Firefly, and uh, you 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 know that Andy's gonna have to talk about it now. Andy, what happened in these episodes? Okay, so we watched the intended pilot Serenity, and then the actual pilot Train Job. This is confusing because Serenity is also a two-parter, but it's not listed as two parts. So it's, also, it's not the movie Serenity. Yeah, also the movie has the same title. So it all just gets confusing, but we watched... If you're if you're watching it on Hulu along with us, or if you're watching along in the DVD box set, we watched episodes one and two, Serenity and Train Job. Serenity opens with the Battle of Serenity Valley, uh... We're following a character named Sergeant Malcolm Reynolds, and it is clear that he is he's he's a low rank. He's a sergeant, but all the men respect him and it, it, it they're they're losing the fight and he is determined that they're going to win. And he's rallying his ragtag group of rebels together. And uh, his his right hand woman is there, Zoe. And it's it's going bad. They're clearly losing. But then he he heroically turns the tide of like the local engagement. And he's like, we're going to win. And then he gets the orders that they're to lay down arms and surrender. And the air support that he thought was coming to save them is actually the enemy. The alliance's capital ships are landing and it the capital ships are so big and so overwhelming. And, and you can just see the hope leave his eyes uh, all during this scene, he's he's kind of referencing the fact that he has faith in God. And when we next see him, he is with a group of criminals and they are stealing, uh, they're salvaging uh, this wrecked ship. And he's got a crew, a, n- a new crew of misfits. You know, it's not the soldiers he was with before. It's this group of criminals. Zoe is still there. She's still his like lieutenant. She's still his his right hand woman. But they are joined by Jane, who is this big, tough, dummy kind of brute. I'd call him a himbo, but he's not nice. He's mean. And you have to be big, strong. You have to be strong, dumb, and and nice to be a himbo. He's mm-hmm. he's strong, dumb, and mean, so not a himbo. Uh, we have Wash, who is kind of immature, but... Uh, clever he's he's the pilot he's also joe uh zoe's husband and um she's the big strong toughy who, who's very uh uh what's what's the word when you don't show emotions stoic she's very stoic and and wash is very emotional very fun loving wears his heart on a sleeve and then their mechanic is kaylee and um she is very like exuberant and bright and happy and uh she she's very fun loving also and that's that's their criminal crew they steal the goods they get spotted by the cops they hightail it out of there they go to deliver the goods and the uh badger the businessman who sent them to steal them is like hey i'm not taking them uh fuck y'all and uh i don't i don't like that you're a thief with a heart of gold malcolm reynolds and you think you're better than me and Malcolm is like, 
I'm a dirty bad man and we should do business. And Badger's like, I don't believe you. I don't believe that you're truly a bad guy. And this is all character exposition disguised as dialogue. So they're trying to figure out where they're going to take the goods. They decide to take on passengers because they need money to keep the ship running. They need to buy gas. So they take on uh, Shepard Book, who is a pastor. Um, They take on Simon, who is this fancy rich boy who seems suspicious and they take on uh the guy whose name i forget who is secretly a cop but shh don't tell anyone it's it's a reveal uh spoilers for this 20 year old tv show um (laughs) shenanigans happen they're trying to lay like they're trying to sell the goods without the the passengers realizing that they're with a bunch of criminals uh it turns out that the one guy is a cop and is uh, you think he's there because the crew of Serenity is is a bunch of outlaws, but he's actually after Simon. Turns out he's after Simon because Simon is smuggling his sister, who was experimented on by the Alliance government. They sell the goods. They uh, avoid the Reavers, who are like space barbarians, space orc barbarians, but humans who like mutilate... Space pirate orcs. Yeah, we never we, we don't see them yet, but they 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 avoid the reavers and um they offload the goods. There's some double crosses and some triple crosses and some like reveals. You think Jane's going to betray them at one at one point, but he doesn't. And you think Shepard Book is like a bad guy, but he's not. And mm-hmm. everyone ends the episode happy. Simon joins the crew. Uh. I forgot about Inara. She's there. She's a space um, high-end prostitute. She's she's like a space sex worker, but it's like a really respected position, even though Malcolm is kind of sexist about it. That's episode one. It's a two-parter. It's very long. A lot happens. Episode two is called Train Job, and they are hired by this like Polish mobster called Nishka, who is like has a really scary reputation. He's basically like, Polish job of the hut, um, <laughs> which is representation I love as a pole. Uh, it makes me very happy um, to rob this train. They go to rob the train. It turns out the train is delivering medicine to some sad people. Malcolm and Zoe accidentally meet the sad people, and then they feel bad about it. They decide to give Nishka his money back and take the medicine back to the people they robbed. Nishka's men show up. There's a fight. They defeat them all. Uh, They send the money back with one of Nishka's people, and then they give the medicine back. And uh, that's it. That's those are the those are the episodes we watched. Those are the episodes of Firefly that we consumed. uh, All two of them, and you know I gotta ask it. Hey, Evan. Yes, Ronnie. These two episodes of Fox's Fox's Firefly, did they work for you? You know, they did. And I'm going to I'm going to leave it at that. I've got some I got some <laughs> marks in both columns, but I, yeah, they worked for me. Excellent. Excellent. Hey, Andy, that's me. These two episodes of Firefly, did they work for you? Ronnie, you can take my love. You can take my land. You can take me where I cannot stand. I don't care. I'm still free. You can't take the sky from me. 
yes, these two episodes work for me. Excellent. Thank you for that stirring rendition of the intro song. <laughs> uh, hey, Alden. Yes, sir. These two episodes of the show Firefly that we watched, uh, did they work for you? Catch me desperately trying to remember the lyrics. Was it take me out to the black, tell them why I ain't coming back? Uh, yes, yeah. they, they absolutely did work for me still after 20-ish years. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, yeah. This only leaves you, Ronnie. Yeah, I think they did. They did. Um, I have lots of questions, but uh, it's one of those things. Are you coming to peer pressure or did they actually work for you? <laughs> no, they did. No, they I normally go last and it's always tough. To, it is to tough. Disagree. It is a tough position to be in. No, I, I, I think they did. I think that I the, the hedging that I'm doing is like. I don't know that I can. I mean, I, I am. I am not uh, some per, 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 procrastinate, procrastinator, prognosticator. That's the word. I don't know <laughs> like what is coming, uh, but the writing on the walls makes me feel like there may be a, a shelf life on whether or not this is working for me. But for now, these two episodes, they did indeed work for me. In fairness to you, I also hedged. So, so yeah. let's. Yeah. Maybe a, a, a different question is, what pilot do you think is better? Do you think Train Job is the better pilot? Or do you think the intended pilot, Serenity, mm. is the better pilot? It, it still, to this day, blows my mind that there were executives that thought Serenity was not the pilot to go with. Uh, I don't understand how you start with Train Job. I really don't. And, and I love Train Job. I do think it works, but I can't imagine having not seen it in the DVD box set order. Um, it, it's so foundational, I think, to start with the crisis of faith and the battle of Serenity Valley and all that stuff just feels so right. Like to go out of order and, and start with Train Job and not get the the forming of the group as it is and all that stuff. It's just peak early 2000s network executive shenanigans. Yeah, can I? So I I agree that uh, Serenity is the better like story to use as a pilot. However, I can see how they rationalized making Train Job the pilot because um, that battle, like the very first scene, that battle mm. looks like shit. It looks really bad. <laughs> like it looks yeah. look yeah. And, and I didn't I don't dislike it, to be clear. Like I, I, I am extremely willing to forgive shows. They're like low budget, mm -hmm. like CGI stuff. And they're like low budget sets. Like it didn't bother me, but I could see how somebody could watch that and go, oh, oh, oh we can't like we can't salvage that. Like that just the, the filming that happened is bad and we can't make that look good. And people are going to tune out. Mm. Second, like, uh, with Train Job, stuff just gets rolling so much faster. Like, there are, like, there are moments that give you a glimpse into the characters and their motivations. There are, uh, like, expository moments, but, like, the plot really gets moving right away. It really, That's like, starts, starts bringing you into the universe very quickly. That little, like that like voiceover they did for like a few seconds totally unnecessary they have shepherd book give the voiceover yeah totally throw away nonsense that didn't need to be there that 
feel like they were like, oh, we got to explain. We got to explain the setting. They didn't. But I feel like there was enough exposition still in episode two that like they felt like, okay, there's enough explaining about who the characters are and what they're doing. And we can like grab people much faster. And like the, you know, the, the quality of the filming is better. Like it just looks a little bit better right off the bat. Mm. So yeah, I think it, I still think it was the wrong choice, but I do see how they arrived at that conclusion. It's just so tonally different. I feel like I think there's mm-hmm. still a lot of humor in train job, but it is so, I mean, I understand that Serenity starts with literally a a group of people losing a war. So you don't get much like darker than that. But like just it's very heavy and very heady at the same time. Um, Mal is a totally different character in Train Job than he is in Serenity. He is joking so much in Train Job. Mm-hmm. I was honestly very surprised when they hopped off the shuttle. And and now we're getting into a bit of like what worked, what didn't. I was very surprised when Zoe and Mal hop off the shuttle in train job that they were like, got to take the medicine back. Got to got to get it back to them. And wasn't like, we got to get out of here and get this to Nishka because like we got to get paid. Like that was mm-hmm. the enti- that was the and like the entire message of Serenity was we do the job, we get paid like that. That was his mission mm-hmm. statement. And like that, I, I don't disagree with his motivation. I don't disagree with his action, but it's just a very different. Not a different show, not like not just like very tonally different. And granted, mm-hmm. I've seen two episodes of this show now, mm-hmm. so I don't know which tone it matches the rest of the show. I imagine there's more like growth and there's more of like Mal in train job like kind of like understanding that like taking these jobs and not really looking very deeply at them while it is his like mythos is like complicated um but it just it felt like a different show and in sequence like i could kind of like make my peace with that but to think of like seeing this first and then flashing back to like yeah serenity it would have just been so jarring it's like train because i'm also okay you go alden i was gonna say i am like famously like not very like it takes some explaining when it comes to this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. i would have been so lost for so much of serenity Mm -hmm. if like if it's like okay now we're like six years behind but now we're like uh, also four months in the past what is where where does this all happen where does this take i would have had to watch it two times and that's a long episode so i'm glad i didn't have to do that yeah train job is sort of like you, you could feel the the really just maximum effort on we have to lead with our best foot for this hero it's the most i think that he feels like han solo light throughout the the firefly experience as you continue you'll start to see like different shades of him and how there is like some push pull and how he'll grow a little and kind of regress and, and resent his own growth. And, but yeah, I, I do, I do see the definitely like, obviously the famous scene in train job is the kicking of the guy into the engine and everything. And that, mm-hmm. that became a big moment and stuff where, and that's not the wrestling with my faith type guy that is in the first one and, and the comp, the complicated relationships that are forming. But yeah, it is it is interesting to look at it on the whole and try to piece it apart because in my mind he is Mal from Serenity to Serenity. Um and I've seen everything and I know it all. So to break him down into just these two, 
you can kind of feel them being like, is he unlikable? Does, right. Do we need to well, make Nathan me? Fillion yeah. has been very vocal. Um, I've gotten to like see him at conventions and hear him talk about this sort of stuff that it was very difficult for him to portray Malcolm Reynolds because he likes comedy and he likes being a funny actor. And Mal is such a depressed, sad boy that he found this part very difficult. And he was always pushing them to add, you know, more levity and more humor to the character, which um, I think you've really seen in, in an episode like train job where he, he is a much softer character where Serenity, he's he's a rough guy. Like he's he's really kind of an asshole. Um, I love him. I think he's a great character, but he's 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 a huge dick. Um, I do think that Train Job might be the better pilot, but as someone who is like a diehard, or at least was a diehard fan of this franchise for a long time, I would never skip Serenity when showing a friend. Mm-hmm this like we're watching serenity first and uh even if you think it's kind of long even if you think it drags a little bit like tough like Mm -hmm. you're you're watching serenity first i think the more baffling decision if anything wasn't getting rid of serenity as the pilot it was getting rid of serenity as the pilot and then dropping it in later (laughs) if if you're gonna cut that pilot People do that all the time. They're unaired pilots of shows mm-hmm. all the time. I really want to see the and, unaired Game of Thrones pilot as a side bit. But you one cannot, day, one day. You cannot just take your unaired pilot and just like wedge it in with a knife to the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. It, I can't imagine any show where that would make sense. Even even a more like sort of episodic show. It it would be cons- like like I said, even the even the like quality of the the filming looks different. You know, it looks like it was done by a different. They didn't explain yeah. either that like, hey, next week we're gonna show the unaired pilot. They just mm-hmm. dropped it yeah. into the schedule without an explanation. <laughs> so fans who were watching weekly were like, wait, why isn't Book and Simon and part of the crew? Where's right. River? Like, who's this other guy? Who who who's this fucking dude here? This rando. <laughs> So, yeah, there's no um, pre-roll. There's no like, like you know, b- before the crew was like. There's nothing. There's no yeah. text or anything that you think would be an easy thing to slap on the front. Um, yeah, I can't imagine having watched it that way. I'm so glad that I've, I mean, I, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of a lot of steps that got into being the cult hit that when I found it. Um, but I'm glad that I found it that way and and had the know-how from Buffy and Angel fans and stuff to to watch it the way that it is. Obviously, they did not create um, Train Job with the intention of it being the pilot, but like it would make a much better pilot. And I think honestly, a much better episode if it was like a literal train heist episode, because Mm -hmm. it was not that it was 10 minutes of train stuff and then clean up the mess that our train heist like and deal with the complications of that like if it was a real like everybody's on the train and every and, and we get to really introduce each other and spend mm-hmm. time with each other and like learn about people in this environment and then like mm-hmm. let that echo be echoed on serenity like on the ship then like i would i would really be like yeah that that's great but like just also, this bit more like the good neighbors train arc 
Exactly. You know yeah. what? And that's and that's that's what I think of when I watch any television program is I wish this was more like award winning podcast. Good neighbors. Is, I agree. Can, how can this be more like a podcast that uh, is about monsters that I also edit? Um <laughs> Yeah, no. But, uh, to your point, Eddie. Yeah, I, I, I when I when I when I see a train heist, I want like I want intrigue. I want some espionage. I don't want Mal Reynolds just walk in the back with a. If with you're a smoke doing bomb. a train heist, there needs to be a fight on top of the train at some yes, point. Yes, yes. Yeah, there, you need to go from compartment to compartment. You need to slide the thing open. Yeah. You need to go out into the open air mm-hmm. and have your coat swing around and then you need to like the there needs apartment. to be somebody who like kind of recognizes you but you can kind of like throw your face to the side and you gotta dodge that one person the entire time you gotta walk through the dining line. car you have to mm-hmm. fuck a changeling you never know see this is back to the good neighbors bit <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no exactly you, got, you gotta you gotta you gotta have a sex scene with a changeling uh if you guys don't listen to Good Neighbors, you should listen to Good. Just listeners, you should, you should check out Good Neighbors. It's really listen, good. Listen, the rest of Ending Pending is going to make no sense to you. <laughs> yeah. Not also listen to Good Every Neighbors. Every episode first. of Firefly, we're going to compare to a Good Neighbors episode. So this, you better get familiar with it right now. This is what we call in the biz organic ad placement. This yes. right here, this yes. is conversational ads. So much more. Right. Yeah. It's really an ARG. Everything that you have to know from here <laughs> on out, you learn from uh, episode season one of the award-winning podcast, Good Neighbors. Um, yeah, that that is my that is my one hang. Like, I I do like that they kind of subverted that a little bit and kind of like did away with the trope, but also like you're you're one ep- on TV, you're one episode in mm-hmm. on the DVD, you're still only like two kind of three episodes in you need to do the tropes like you need to establish yourself a little bit more before you can subvert things well even the train heist in solo which it's it's a brief part of that movie but it is it is a by the books cowboy train heist heist. and like for firefly being such a western the the train heist is like a quintessential western trope that you get to see people do cool different stuff with Mm -hmm. you know in different different movies even um, breaking bad has a pretty great train heist in season five and that's a show you would never expect that to be in um there's a right. lot there's a lot in firefly the train heist included now that i'm thinking about it where you can look back and see them doing the push and pull with their budget like there you can really sure. tell when they will say well like are we subverting the trope to subvert it like if joss whedon and company had boku bucks back then would they have just done the train heist? Like what? I, I I wonder about that stuff. And you know, sometimes I've talked about it or whatever. I haven't listened to any commentaries in years, but the there's stuff that you'll see throughout. Um, one is a bigger heist. So I'll tease that. Look, look forward to mm-hmm. that. Um, there are uh, different types of settings. Some of them more regal, some of them more futuristic and stuff. And, and they, they try to be as economic about it as they can. Um, which I think is something that I like about it in retrospect a lot with both of these episodes is how massive it feels sometimes, you know, with like with that unnecessary narration and stuff like this, these are the galactic stakes and everything, but it's not really about any of that. Uh, I've always liked how tiny it was like the dinner table stuff, you know, these are losers and this is, Mm -hmm. this is the rogue one, you know, of, of the galaxy. Like these are not people who, are 
playing with galactic stakes. These are not people who are heroes, you know, in the capital H hero sense of, you know, heroes on both sides of the Clone Wars. You know, these are these are people who lost the war and they can barely afford a, a tank of gas. And um, I like the really low stakes of this show. Um, I think it's really fun. And I think that there are times where, just like with the, to keep comparing it to Star Wars or, or to compare it to Star Trek, there are times where the low budget really ends up defining aspects that set this franchise apart mm. because they're working with what they have. And uh, I think that's always really cool and fun. Mm-hmm. Of like, oh, well, they had, uh, you know, some some like Renaissance Fair costumes on hand. So they're going to a Renaissance Fair planet this episode. And <laughs> that's that's cool. Yeah. There are things uh, like that about like like letting the costuming sort of tell a story like that is so foundational and like key to what you think about. If you really love this or if you have loved it in the past, you think about Firefly, you think about, oh, the brown coats or you think about, oh, uh, the. Uh, the mixture of Western and Eastern influence, or you think about, oh, Simon and River are rich. And so they've got, a, they stand out within the aesthetic of their own crew. They're like over here, they stick out like a sore thumb and they're supposed to. And how they do all of that with costumes, they do all of that with score, um, because we can't just go visit the core all the time because that's expensive. There's no sound in space except for banjos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess, are we talking about what we like? Are we just, are we in that section of the ending pending episode? I feel like we've kind of talked we've about things we dislike and don't like. But yeah, yeah, let's all talk about things we like. Uh, Ronnie, hit us with a positive. Yeah, um, I mean, just from uh, the first one, like the, we talked a bit about how we saw, quote unquote, saw the Reavers, but didn't really see them. That like Steven Spielberg ass filmmaking of like, describing something so horrifying and like raising the tension of it and it's like not a thing it doesn't end up like being a problem and then very soon it is a problem and we are terrified of it and we still don't see it we still don't know what this thing is Mm -hmm. that worked really well for me having zoe be the one to describe them too because she's the toughest person we've seen like yeah she is she's the dwarf of this crew yeah Yeah. I, i mean like Jane, in a lot of ways, is like just like always described as like the muscle and the big guy, but like Zoe is the crew's resonant badass. Jane so is I've, terrified of the Reavers. Like Jane, yeah. Jane we, we hear Jane talk about it. It's like we're not going anywhere near the Reavers. Like there's clearly something happening there, but like Zoe is the one who can like bring herself to be like, hey, I'm going to educate you real quick, rich boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that was a great choice to have her deliver the that dialogue. Yeah. And just like the Jaws nature of it, of just like mm-hmm. it is it like it would have been way less scary if we would have seen the Reavers. But the fact that we still have not seen any of these beings is uh, it, it adds a lot more intrigue. And like it, it adds an element that I also like where like there are so many like uh, baddies. There are so many antagonists, so many things you, we kind of have to worry about where like we are in the vastness of space and it still feels like very claustrophobic. We feel like things are closing in on us, whether it's the Alliance or the Reavers or uh, uh, Patience or, or now Nixa Niska is like definitely out there and search around like it, the, the uh, safe places of the galaxy 
are uh, increasingly small. And and I like that. Like, I like that. It, it, I think it adds to that, like, very tightness that we feel because of the budget concerns, <laughs> like even in the cargo bay. Everything happens in the cargo bay and that feels small and confined. And so does this whole world. And like that is that is interesting to me in a way that like Star Wars kind of feels a little bit too big to get my arms around. I'm sure Andy's going to bring this up also because Andy kept bringing it up while we were watching it. But (laughs) steal it. I'm so glad you're stealing it. The Serenity set does look good. The interior of the ship. They mm-hmm. they built they built that with care because they knew they were going to be filming a lot in there and it does look right. good. Um, I also uh, I like the the small scaleness of it the the, the low stakesness of it rather that and I I brought this up in our uh, preview episode but I I do really just love like a weird concept I love something that's like well I just. I've never never seen that exact thing before, and that makes me a lot more like willing to forgive uh like shortcomings in other areas if I'm just like, wow, they really went for it. Like that's a weird idea, and they really went for it. And this is like hitting that for me. Um I also I think I enjoy it more knowing that like some of the things that kind of annoy me are just like joss whedon isms and yeah, like it I, makes me it makes it easier like i i know that i'm this is classic me i'm bringing like a negative <laughs> into a positive but like now that i now that i have some distance from like the hero worship of joss whedon that was going on in like the 2000s and the 2010s um it is like it's easier to ignore something that you just know is like a weird Joss Whedon thing, you know, like all the, all the stuff about river, basically the river's whole thing, her whole character. I'm just like, Oh yeah, it's just a weird Joss Whedon thing. I don't have to worry about that too much. Like I don't have to think too hard about it. And that like, not to be uh, like extremely me, but that does make it uh, more enjoyable. Mm. For me, it kind of like takes some of the pressure off of uh, like needing to feel like everything about the show is great, I guess. Mm. Hit me with a positive, Alden. I think uh, as broad as what I'm about to say is, I have to say this cast um, as individuals and together, because I think a lot of people, um, of course, this isn't the the tradition of things like Star Trek and Star Wars and stuff. So putting together that space adventure ensemble was not born here, but you can feel there is a like pre-Firefly, post-Firefly for space stuff where even other things, things that Firefly took from like Star Wars end up sort of pulling from this crew and from this dynamic uh, things like Star Wars Rebels is very much Star Wars by way of Firefly. Guardians of the Galaxy, as it went on, became that. And you can feel that influence. And just getting this this right group of people together to have the dynamics, the dialogue, to sell things that if it wasn't the right group of people, maybe would just stick out really poorly or would feel really awkward, like switching from English to Mandarin just for certain phrases and then coming back. Like Nathan Fillion sells that 
like it ain't nothing. Like it's just that just is. You believe it. Um, you believe uh, that Zoe and Wash are this like odd couple. You believe uh, that Simon has so much going on internally because of the way that Sean Mart plays him. Uh, there's a lot going on with all of them. And I think that it's one of those things where it's a, like any of them could be my favorite on any given day. And that I've come to appreciate the different characters in different ways as I've gotten older. Um, you know, there is expanded lore and expanded canon stuff. If you want to know what's going on with Shepard book, read a comic. Like there are, there are things like that, that I'm now carrying into it, but even separating all of that, I think they're just a really, really, Stellar bunch and rest in peace, Ron Glass, because I always forget that he passed. To to jump off that point, the writing for these characters, I think, is really clever to make the people who aren't the the toughies on the crew to be just as important. That's something that Star Trek historically struggles with. That's something mm-hmm. that, like, as a LARP game runner, is something that I've really had to struggle with with writing of like all right, if people aren't going to go out on the battlefield and be the big heroes, how do I write plot for them that's just as engaging as fighting to save the day, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, That's something that uh, is just hard storytelling-wise when you have three characters who are, are all super capable and, like, can fight these battles. How do you make the doctor, the mechanic, the, the pastor and the pilot feel just as important and just as engaged with the story. And it's, it's clever writing that, that makes it so you don't feel bored when it's focusing on the people uh, who aren't, you know, shooting the guns and riding the horses. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to share positives. I have like a bunch, so I'm, I'm going to share like a quick rapid fire, <laughs> little moments that I really, really like uh, m- the scene of Mal using the toilet. I think it's great. Like that sounds weird to say out loud. And I just realized that I'm not like (laughs) into Nathan Fillion pissing, but just like you see where the sink and the toilet come out, like any shots of their bedrooms, I think is awesome. Uh, I love just how detailed the set is. The, the drawings of the like vines and flowers in the kitchen um, that the actor who played Kaylee just did uh the like christmas lights around kaylee's room like all that stuff all the little details of the ship that really give it personality and make it feel lived in alden you're right it does feel like the ghost from rebels rebels is borrowing a lot from the show i feel like um the scene where jane is watching the surgery from the window because he doesn't feel like he like is allowed to go in but Mm. he wants to it's adorable uh, the scene where uh, Shepard Book knows about Nishka and knows about doing crime and is trying to like not let on too much, I think is fucking great. Um, God, yeah, I love Patience as a villain. I love Nishka as a villain. Uh, I love Badger as a villain. Like we got mm. three great flavors of like shit head and it's really <laughs> good. Um, I love the bar fight at the start of train job. I think that shit rules. Um, there's a lot of really good character work. Uh, I love that Kaylee has a hammock in the engine room that like implies that she's sleeping down there all the time. There's a bunch of really good little tiny details that after having Mm. watched this for the millionth time that I still pick up on and appreciate. Kaylee's strawberry is a big one. 
that has mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that a lot of fans love. And I also will say, I'm not I'm not somebody that's like I must have romance, but I'm also not anti romance. I'm sort of romance agnostic. Like I'll take it and I'll leave it. I don't seek it out um, as my like preferred genre, but I do love it when it's in things. I still love Malin and Nara. I I there are real world things to bring into obviously Mal's internalized uh ex vaguely Christian misogyny that he has that he's wrestling with his own stuff and putting it onto her and that's a obviously very loaded conversation with the sex work element of Anara's character but I think that they are money together every time Nathan Fillion mm-hmm. and Marina Baccarin there's certainly a lot of like tension and a lot of like energy between them mm-hmm. but I much prefer the like uh and again only two episodes here but like the kind of like subtle like romance that seems or or even just like uh energy between um inara and kaylee like Mm. there there is like like the soft touch kind of the like hey you when she comes back on the ship in the first little bit of serenity and braiding her hair and talking to her she's constantly like asking her about her clients and stuff like that and like this is this is not like uh the gay wants the things to be gay it's just like no. even looking at these two characters like kaylee just seems like somebody who would like be smart enough to be like not not to say that anyone who is not like uh <laughs> sexually fluid is not smart but like she just you know she's been around the world she's been doing this stuff she seems like she would be She's just so intrigued by people mm-hmm. that, like, it would make sense that she would be more pan. Um, and Inara is obviously, like, very sexually liberated, sexually, like, mm-hmm. uh, beyond. And, like, it, it would just make sense that they would have, like, a very comforting, you know, uh, platonic trending towards, like, very, like, if not sexual, then romantic relationship. Every pirate crew needs designated lesbians too. So yeah. That's, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, but to the point, like, I think that that is supported by the, like, they're like very natural, very like comfortable, very like wholesome energy mm-hmm. is supported by the like raw, aggressive angry like what happened here energy between anara and mal yeah and i totally get what you're saying i i what i'm doing right now and andy kind of says i'm i'm wrestling with like how much do i say about things and like yep. i don't want to spoil anything like as you were <laughs> sure, talking about sure. anara's sexuality i was like well there is that well there is that. and i'm like I'm just gonna recuse <laughs> i don't want to spoil anything but you're definitely onto something in terms of the the liberated nature of of both of them i mean you get some fun yeah. kaylee backstory later on that that will play into that and I think that you'll be uh, I'm interested to see what you'll think of where they do right. take Kaylee uh, in, my, romantically. My my fear is I, I'm with Evan where like my fear is like, I know Joss Whedon did it, though. I know this is a Joss Whedon written story. So like yeah. as good as it's going to get, it's going to be it's going to it's got a Joss Whedon cap on it. But mm-hmm. uh, again, I'm 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 not not letting not trying. I'm aware of that. I'm informed by that, but I'm not letting that like sure. be the the context of the entire. Allow thing. Allow your knowledge of Joss Whedon to temper your expectations. <laughs> it has helped my experience. Uh, to to bring up more gay stuff, uh, I have not watched Firefly since I lost my faith. Mm. So I was very intrigued to like come back to this show where like Mal's kind of 
angry and like hurt atheism is a, a huge part of his journey and his relationship with Shepard Book is, I think, one of the most intriguing aspects of this show. And uh, two episodes in, uh, I'm digging it. Uh, the the line of, like, do you mind if I pray? Uh, not if you do it in your head. And, like, you're welcome on my ship, but your God isn't. Love it. Love it, Mal. Give me that angry atheism. Mmm, delicious. Yeah. it's. I was, I was wondering it. about that when, when we talked about uh me coming on to this episode i was i was thinking about that but i i knew you were going to bring it up so i was like why waste this conversation in text um it, it has to be weird to find mal back in the day and to find him now with your experience and everything that we talked about um that we talked about in text and on my show and other places mm-hmm. and stuff about like he like how, how much of it is justified in the way that he treats book, how much of it is not, how much of it is like, there's such an interesting dynamic there. And for all of Whedon's faults of which there are many documented, uh, it it's, I've always found it compelling. that such an outright loud Hollywood atheist could write such great characters of faith in his different works. Cause it, his approach of, Joss Whedon famously said, like, I, I, uh, it's not that I hate the idea of faith. I wish I had some. And the I wish I had some part, I feel like, populates Firefly a lot. Um, and and, mm-hmm. and capsule, it, it crystallizes in the movie. Um, yeah. With a scene that you know exactly what I'm talking about. But mm-hmm. but it is, it's interesting to see in retrospect now. I, I'm very grateful that I got to meet Ron Glass before he passed. And at the time I was in seminary. So we talked a lot. Like he, he pulled me aside and spent, I don't know, a half hour, 40 minutes talking to me about yeah. faith and shepherd book. And, um, he was just someone that loved the fans and wanted to invest time in the fans. And he, he just seemed fascinated with where I was at. And it was really cool that I got to like have a, extended conversation with him about his character and his arc and, and where I was on my journey at that time, I was hanging out with a bunch of non-believers and really questioning stuff myself. So um, it was cool that I got to talk to him about this performance and it was so clear how much he loved book. Um, I think Mal is justified in his treatment of book in these episodes Presumably, Christianity is as big in Firefly Times as it is now. There's no indication that it's like lost any influence or power. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he's still kind of punching up. And um, I, I think it, when you are in a faith authority, uh, especially in Christianity, which is just so powerful and so influential, you have to be expecting for people who were hurt by it to like put that on you. And mm. like, this is speaking as someone who was a pastor. Like I dealt with people putting their frustrations with the church on me and like, it's not easy, but it's part of the job. Mm. And like, if you can't handle that, you shouldn't be in a position of authority in the faith. So um, I think it's pretty fantastic how book always handles Mal though. Like, Book is really the ideal pastor. Yeah. Like, like, like a certain someone on Twitter was complaining that there are no good depictions of pastors in any popular media. And it's like, dude, like 
Firefly gave us like the literally like the best possible pastor in anything. And it's so, so well written. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited to watch more of it and uh, see more glimpses of Mal's journey and and dealing with it now on this side of my faith journey is something that I'm really excited to to engage with. Absolutely. Do you think that this is just now? I'm just throwing out questions because I'm thinking about you and your life. Do you think that being married now changes how you relate to Wash and Zoe at all? Versus when you were watching this back in the day? Um, I don't know. I think we'll need to see more of them. I, I did always find their dynamic really interesting. That, like, I think it was very progressive for the time. Um, I mean, like, interracial dating, I don't even think, was allowed at Liberty University in 2002. Like, and here's an interracial couple. Like, oh, yeah. It, it doesn't feel like a big deal now, but it was still a big deal for the time. And not only that, but you have this presumably in, in a very cis-normative, heteronormative idea, like the guy is the soft emotional one and the girl is the tough badass. Like, I thought it was just fascinating and interesting that they were married like yeah, yeah that like, too that you have this pirate crew, simply the fact like, that they are married like th and this like I, I have seen it like a few episodes of firefly so i knew this going in i wasn't like surprised mm -hmm. um but it is unusual for uh like main characters to be married and like in love with each other mm -hmm. like in it removes any like, will they won't they potential yeah. of yeah. characters breaking up and stuff. Presumably they're going to stay right. married. Or yeah. like annoying yeah. old tropes of like the nagging spouse or like, oh I gotta deal yeah. with it. That's, that's, ball that's and why chain. I yeah. specified yeah. it's it's unusual to see married couples that are in love with each other. Because <laughs> that like like writers other only even, yeah. yeah. Writers only know how to do like husbands and wives annoying each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, it it is like, it is a different dynamic, even though it exists in real life all over the place. It's a different dynamic to see in a television show. Yeah, I'm. Wash was always my favorite, uh, despite you know really loving Mal and stuff. So uh, I'm I'm excited to see now that I'm married how I relate to Wash and if. Um, if one of us is more stoic and one is more emotional, I'm definitely the more emotional one and you're the more stoic one, babe. So um, I, I, I am excited to, to watch more of them interact and, and see how I how I relate to this, uh, this happy guy that I love that nothing bad happens to ever. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no. <laughs> um, it, it to to your point, Alden, like the, the the characters all feel like they belong here or the actors all feel like they belong as a part of this story. But Wash definitely feels like he does not belong a part of this crew. Wash happens to have a special interest that is flying spaceship real good. Um, but otherwise, like this is not like I, I was uh, I was I, folding laundry or getting putting stuff away when um i was watching this and there was a scene it was like right after like a big blow-up fight between wash and zoe and mal in serenity and you know mal says to someone like oh 
you know, uh, you're not privy to like the what's what, what we're doing here. And then I hear a voice say like, well, can I know? And I truly for a second thought it was Wash. Like I, I, I couldn't see the screen for a second. And I was like, it would make sense to me that Wash would just be like, where are we going? Mm. All right. I guess I'll just drive there and not have a whole lot going like uh, understanding what's happening. I do like that he is like a part of the gang. Like he is mm-hmm. he is not seen as an outsider by the rest of the crew. There is the scene where um a little bit cheesy, honestly, but I think that this show has a healthy amount of cheese, especially in the pilot um, where um, after Mal uh, tricks uh, Simon into thinking that uh, Kaylee is dead, they have the big uh, yuck it up scene back on the bridge <laughs> and like Wash is a part of that. Like he is mm-hmm. a part of the inner circle. He is a part of the group. Yeah. He might not have like the same amount of pool and might like have a lot of disagreements, but like he is seen by the crew as a part of the crew. He, when Mal talks about like the people that are here are important and I will fight for them. Mm-hmm. Wash is included in, in that, despite him not being like a real grizzled, uh, you know, person like the rest of them. And mm. even though he does it to me, he feels like, he would he would and there are there are a lot of people in real life that I feel this kind of same kind of way. If you were to take these talents and use them elsewhere, you could achieve so much more. You could be so much more. But he does an excellent job as a part of this crew, and I'm glad that he is seen as a part of this crew. And they don't ever fall into the because wife's best friend is man is tougher, cooler man than me, therefore it problem. Like that never actually like right, her best right. friend is a is a guy who has who's interested in women and she is interested right. in men and they go back much longer. They have a, a a trauma bond as well. They have a shared cause, but she's he's not threatened by Mal. And even when the show, without spoiling anything really, even when the show does sort of play with that a little uh later this season, it's not they're not doing an annoying love triangle plot ever, even kind of. Yeah. It's not a romantic jealousy thing. It is a, you have these war experiences with my wife that I can't fully comprehend. And Mm -hmm. I like, I want a war experience with you, Mal to like make up for it. Yeah. Right. Light spoilers for, for a plot that comes in later, but it is never a love triangle jealousy thing which i really appreciate and to that point ronnie like the the line that wash has of like well we're criminals if everything was right we'd be in jail like you can tell (laughs) that he like yeah it isn't quite fully comfortable with it and so like he makes jokey jokes but like right he is he's not he's not fully comfortable with it but he does kind of savor it a little bit yeah there's like i said he would do much better somewhere else He's not somewhere else. And like because of this dynamic, it's not just because of Zoe. He he, she is not his ball and chain kind of thing. Mm -hmm. He is here because he wants to be here. And so like there is that invigoration. There is that like excitement for him um, that you you might see like uh, juxtaposed differently in a different show. But like it's it's very tantalizing, even though it is still like a because in order for something to be tantalizing, it has to be a little uncomfortable. It has to be a little bit like, ooh, put off-putting. Yeah. Um, and I think that that definitely rings through. 
Absolutely. We've been we've been going long, so let's let's land the plane here. Any negatives? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got a couple. Boom. Okay, okay, you want to fire some negatives real quick? Let's uh, play some tennis here. This, this is going to be controversial. Uh, I I feel like Wash and Kaylee are the only ones. Wash and Kaylee and uh, Shepard Book are the only ones pulling off this weird ass dialogue that Joss Whedon has written. I don't I don't buy the y'alls and the up in <laughs> up in her and the like. I don't I don't they deli- they deliver it so awkwardly. I mean, more so in some cases than others. And I suspect that as we go along, they'll they'll get the hang of it a little bit more. But truly, Wash and Kaylee feel like cartoon characters. Like, I mean that in a positive yep. way. They feel yep. like larger than life and so animated. And so I buy it when they're delivering these, uh, like, these y'alls and these ain't nevers and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> right. Whereas, like, even Nathan Fillion and um, uh, what's the actress who plays Zoe's name Gina uh, Torres Gina Torres um they they're trying they're not quite getting there they're not quite yeah. they're not quite selling it for me um also Mal, uh, Mal wants ahead. to I'm sorry Mal wants to be like like to, to Andy's point like you can tell like Nathan Fillion wants to be kind of larger than life but like the the, mm-hmm. the script is kind of restricting and like to a uh like you know, opposite point, you could see that the dialogue is trying to make Adam Baldwin's character like a bit like a bit himboy and like a bit more like funny and a lot a little bit more comedic. And like he just isn't very funny. And so like it 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 like I think that what they what they have achieved in these first two episodes with Wash, with Kaylee, with with um with Shepard Book is what they're going for. It's just a matter of the comfortability early on of like mm. getting into the, because it is, it is a lot to ask an actor to have this much cheese to randomly switch into uh Chinese, which like, I, uh, that doesn't really work for me. That That's like one thing. It like it didn't feel natural to me. Either. It didn't feel, it doesn't feel yeah. natural. And it also like, we also have had a lot of like, I understand that there's like a lot of like Western meets Asian influence and that's very intentional, but we also like, it's uncomfortable to me that we haven't had like an Asian character on screen, ton of diversity in this. Go ahead, Andy. Uh, to that note, um, the, the idea behind the randomly switching to Chinese and the, the, uh, the Asian influence in general in Firefly, the thought was that by the time earth got all used up, the only two countries that would be left would be the U S and China and that they had spread out. There's also like the Western movie and the like samurai movie are like very interconnected. So the idea of like, well, we're going to be doing kind of Western thing, but let's also take a lot of Asian influence and kind of pepper in different Asian influences and imagery because Western movies and, you know, old school samurai movies are basically the same genre mm-hmm. uh to that point though probably the biggest criticism that you will see about firefly today is how much it leans on that without having any sort of actual right asian representation on screen mm-hmm. and you're completely right to pick up on that even just two episodes in ronnie it doesn't right. get better from here and and yeah. it's just and it's i mean it's just it is also just like 
a bastardization amalgam of Asian culture. There are kimonos and there are geishas and like all this stuff that's just like Asia, you know, the country, Asia. The the, Um, the, like in-universe idea of like, well, China just kind of like took over all of Asia at that point Mm -hmm. and it's all just become one culture. Sure, but that would go over a lot better if there was like a single Asian American actor on screen. single Asian person, yeah. Um, yeah. But like, no, we're just going to have like white people wearing kimonos and like speaking Chinese and mm-hmm. all these samurai movie tropes. And like, it's it, it doesn't quite ever. Yeah, I, I inferred the intention behind it watching the show. Right. I was like, yeah, of course, like China is like the most populated country in the world. Of course, if we were a spacefaring people, China would have an enormous influence on our off world mm-hmm. culture. So like yeah. I, I didn't need, you know. I didn't need the show to like explain that to me, but they just didn't, they did not do the best job with that idea. And they sort of paint, now that I'm thinking about it, it is like they painted themselves into a weird corner where it's like the Alliance, as it stands, the legitimate government that came from, as they call it, Earth that was, is the United States and China. So is then the in-world answer that my Asian humans that are out there are bad are they in the alliance and then that becomes like we go down that road and then it's like oh the asians are the militant sort of like we don't want that either so that, yeah, they definitely i think you know in today you know lots would be different in today's world of firefly was made yeah. but yeah it would have been nice to have seen some some chinese cowboys and some 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 chinese sure. scoundrels or- and, yeah or even we've seen several, uh, uh, I keep wanting to call them the Galactic Empire, but we've seen lots of the Alliance mm-hmm. and like not a lot, but like enough where we have like establishing shots and like people and there's still a, a bunch of white yeah. dudes. And yeah. like, it, mm-hmm. it, like even even, you know, I, not, I agree with you. I would I would it would be way, way weird if all of the Alliance was just uh, made up of Asian actors. Yeah. Um, but it, to see nothing is 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 even more absolutely yeah you what you what what you would want is like a mixture obviously of both groups of brown coats yeah. and i think they're called ah, what, what's the southern slang that they use for the alliance purple something do you remember any i think it's purple bellies purple backs purple, purple bellies, purple bellies. Yeah, yeah. The brown coats and yeah. purple bellies yeah so i i got one and it's it's related to to this brown coats and purple bellies um it is a I'm a big fan of Western movies. I grew up on John Wayne and Clint Eastwood, uh, despite both of them being terrible men. Uh, it is a classic cowboy trope to have your protagonist having fought and lost on the Civil War. And it kind of establishes them as an underdog. And then, you know, you you have to have a couple lines of dialogue about, like, what did they think about slavery and, uh, you know, movies that hold up better, you know tend to have the protagonist be like slavery was wrong and I was wrong. And, uh, I, I learned my lesson or, you know, they're learning their lesson. I think of, uh, Anson Mount's character in hell on wheels was a Mm. Confederate and, um, an ex Confederate. And I, I think that show did a pretty good job of having him have an arc related to that. Uh, so when I watched this before, and it's very clear that this is a cowboy thing. So having Mal be on the losing side of the big civil war, I I got what they were going for. However, I did not know 
back in 2016, the last time I watched this, about the historical brown coats. And if I did, I probably wouldn't have worn a T-shirt that said brown coats on it. (laughs) Uh, Because brown coats is a real thing and they're real bad people Um, from back in the Civil War times. And uh, I think that there's probably a lot that the writers at the time were like, oh, this is just cowboy tropey stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And didn't put a whole lot more thought into it than that. But it's not great. Well, I think that there's uh, like I, 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 I this is something I will have to read about because like I have seen like Twitter threads to this point, especially when all of the Joss Whedon stuff went like blew up where like star George Lucas very much like based uh the galactic empire on certain political things that were happening at the time, uh, based around Vietnam and things like that. Mm. I, I think I remember reading that like Joss Whedon, like would not confirm nor deny that like it was, this was loosely based on the American South. Like that was like the intention in writing this. And I could see in like 2002 of being like, you know, we, we had, what was that? Um, the 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 creators of Game of Thrones were supposed to make the like what if America but the South won the Civil War kind of thing like that was they were supposed to make that show in like 2016 like it we are we are not far from a point where like alternate history like let's look at it from a different angle is like a thought experiment that I could see the writers wanting to like delve into and like scratch the surface of a bit. But then it becomes like the question I kept asking myself. And even like as I was explaining this plot to Kirsten later, it was like, but why not unify? Why? Why not unify with the alliance? And like it it, it gets into a very like like uh, part of me if I need to cut this out, Andy. But I could see this very much appealing to libertarian Liberty University Andy, <laughs> like the mm. idea of like, yeah, we're not we're not combining just because just because I don't want the government to be involved in this. And it's like because crime is cool yeah. because crime is cool. <laughs> like that does not a war make like that is a very like, well, because states rights and it's like states rights to do what now Reynolds yeah. like what what is happening here? And like that question I feel like is plaguing me a lot. And like, that's the, like, I don't necessarily think that they like, we're just like, it's the South. We're not going to think more about it, but it's like, it feels very much like approaching it from like a state's rights kind of thing. I do think Joss Whedon said that and didn't think any harder about it. Truly. I I don't like, I don't think that's good, but I do think he was like, yeah, we don't have to, it's not the same. It's in space. We don't have to worry about it. I think Uh, it's like a fun playground for me. It's all like, I just think it comes, it comes down to like, what are you trying to say? Yeah. And that's that's the point where I feel like you're falling off the horse. What are you trying to say about the American South post-Civil War? Right. And I don't I don't know that they had a great answer for that question, despite wanting to use that as they're jumping off. It's point. always felt to me like he took the idea of Rebels versus Empire, be that in Star Wars or anything, and then was like, sure. let's try to synthesize that with America and he is in, he's putting into the world building alliances bad stuff that is blatant to us and was revealed to the characters so like serenity it's like the explanation of like my sister was experimented on all this stuff so then you're like 
oh, Alliance bad. Alliance very bad. They, they experiment on this innocent young girl. But the the Browncoats wouldn't have known about that stuff when the Alliance was right. forming and all that. So it almost feels like they had the ideas, but the ideas aren't right on the timeline. I don't want to spoil Serenity the movie, but Serenity sure. the movie has a comes down on a theme statement of like what the Alliance did how it's sort of like what they hid away and things like that. But they are again, things that the, the, you know, the, uh, I'm trying to think of what the Brown coats actual name is the independence, I guess. The independence. Yes. The independence wouldn't have known. And so it's kind of like, is that, was there like, yeah, we're going to, we're the Alliance and you, you deal with it. We're going to control your farms and we're going to draft your kids. And we're going to, if that stuff was there, great, but that's, but it's not. So it's awkward. It's almost like when you see the whole piece, you could be like, Alliance is trash, but also in within the it doesn't work in the metaphor because the union was not trash. So it's like, or right. at least you know, in the generally accepted the broader, yeah, broader yeah. strokes. Yeah. To, to, and to bring up the, the river thing, like it it undercuts itself because Mao and Zoe, Zoe to a lesser extent, but Mao doesn't really take Simon and River seriously. Like mm. as like like he is like the everything the alliance has done is bad. I am like dedicate i will go to a bar on unification day every year <laughs> just so i can like knock a few like uh alliance cronies around but people who have been actively hurt by the alliance in a very dramatic way show up on my ship and i'm ready to dump them off at the next point mm. and, and and there's maybe an explanation to that of like the 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 intensity of that based on his trauma but like we don't know that yet. Yeah. And like, it's really undercutting the message of like Alliance bad when the first thing that we can truly see is concrete Alliance did a bad thing. And Mao's like, I'm not, it's, it's, it's I don't take that yeah. serious. Is it about you or is it about the cause at that point? You know, like it's right. And there's, right. I don't, it's hard. Like, does the show adequately ask those questions? I don't, I have to rewatch. You guys are going to, you're going to make me rewatch the entire yeah. thing. I'm just going to come back now I'm going to tune in for the rest of them or call me whenever uh, and we'll, we'll have you ever done a movie special we should do the movie as well we're definitely going to do the movie very excited yeah. about that yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah it's the Civil War metaphor stuff I understand what they were going for as a fan of the western genre mm-hmm. I don't sure. think they really stick the landing and it leads to messy conversations like this mm-hmm. and yeah um, that's my biggest gripe with these two episodes is is specifically that I don't think they 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 quite got there. Um, it's a reasonable gripe, and I feel like that that is part of the like growing pains. I feel like that that is the the genesis of this show, and I don't feel like that is going away, whether mm-hmm. it's on the show or in like mm-hmm. the, the cortex of my mind while I'm trying to process it. You know what I mean? That's that is just like gonna be a hang up for me one way or the other. That's valid. And it and you know, from my point of view, just thinking about the episodes, I would wager it's probably not going to get better. But I think I'll be I'll be sure. interested to see what you think about episodes that are that change who the A character is. I'll be curious to see what you think about episodes that change what the setting is. There's like some there's some Kaylee focus, there's some Simon focus. It's so so it's like it, there'll be episodes yeah. where I think you think about it less. But you're not going to feel like, oh, okay, until the movie. And that's a yeah. big ask at this point, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other negatives you all want to touch on or do we do we land it here? I understand the budget is a concern, but 
the and not the whole costume but the shirts Mal wears make him look like such a dork. Like they are just like <laughs> some like JC Penney's button up uh, shirts. Like the Damn. suspenders work. The pants that come up a little high that are a little like jaunty work. The coat obviously works. The uh, <laughs> even the scarf he's wearing. He's wearing like a European scarf in the Battle of Serenity Valley. And I'm like, that's like a very aesthetic choice for this very <laughs> high intensity battle. Um, which is clearly in a desert, not known for their like, you know, uh, coldness. Um, but the shirts just straight up look like they are off the mannequin at like Macy's and got to like, make with, it easy for the cosplayers. Man. A cosplayer's dream. I just, I, I just if it's like make bigger buttons, like make it look a little bit more put together and not just like this was like the the starch ready shirt that was uh, just hanging on the rack. Uh, that's that's my only complaint is that like I know Mal Reynolds is a cool character. I know that Nathan Fillion is like oozes coolness. The shirts that he is wearing make him look like such a dork mm. while he's doing all this cool stuff. And it's like just just uh, uh, Evan, Ev Evan, get on get on that set for 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 the low low price of Evan. You could you could have a much much <laughs> the cooler low Mal low Reynolds, price. You. I'd pay a top dollar. You know, I, I think would, I would too, charge them a ton of money to make a bunch of shirts for Mal for Reynolds. sure. Uh, making collared shirts is the worst. Mm. Well, you just modify the buttons. That's I, all. I that's all Ronnie buttons, wants you to do. Yeah. I'll, I'll I mean, even the collars. Get, throw them in a Nehru collar. The collar is also. It's like a very like I can like I don't know. Uh, it, 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 it just bugged me the whole time. I was like, you don't yeah. you look like this is just like the shirt that you wore to like. A job interview and you took off the tie and went mm. over to to play uh space cowboy this is also one of those like My it's a big ask and i'm asking you now to sit through an entire season and a movie but when you get to serenity and you can tell that it's the same templates but with money it's very satisfying because like yeah. he goes from regular suspenders to like space cowboy suspenders they've got like Ooh, some I, yeah i was really about to say the space yeah, suspenders he yeah. gets in serenity it's, it's like yep 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 this this is the one Jane yeah. goes from wearing plain T-shirts to space T-shirts. <laughs> yeah. Jane's T-shirts are a real problem as well, but I accept it a little bit more. <laughs> Don't worry, Jane. he gets space T-shirts in the movie. Mm -hmm. Okay, good, good, yes. good. He has like an Ed Hardy T-shirt on, and it's like, <laughs> that is definitely just Adam Baldwin's T-shirt. Jane is the type of guy that he brought in that day. He's the type of guy that would wear tap out, like for 100%. Yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, he's got Von Dutch, uh, everything yes. in the back. Absolutely. Um, which is, yeah, it's plenty of it, you know, in our in our post apocalyptic world. Yeah, I um, I really I know that every time that Alden Diaz does a podcast, it goes long. But I will just throw out one. It's not really a negative, but it's like a, that sort of change. I didn't expect it. The very iconic in the nerd world, memeable. Um, everyone goes to that line lines hit less for me now and i started to enjoy other small moments and maybe that's just mm -hmm. time and amount of viewings but like the biggest one is probably wash's uh curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal like because that was in the lexicon and, and i've seen it a thousand times i was kind of like is this mm -hmm. funny but i also was like or is it me Having seen it for only the second time, it didn't hit for me either. But I think this is another one of those things where I just write it You're off in as nerd a, culture. a Joss Whedon yeah. thing. I've, of course, I've heard yeah. the line. Of mm -hmm. course, I've heard, like, mm -hmm. but, like, I've 
I don't I don't think that they don't land for me because like the, I've been oversaturated with those specific lines. I think it's because I've been oversaturated with Joss Whedon's specific flavor of quippy dialogue. Some people juggle just, geese, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like like with the Avengers and all that. Like he's that's just like Joss Whedon is trying so hard. He, he yeah. try hard dot exe all the time <laughs> to do the quippy. So and like some of them are funny, but only like maybe one in four or one in five are actually yep. like mm -hmm. get a little like <laughs> out of me as I watch them. Yeah, the the um, I mean, I remember this is this is what I've watched. I've watched Serenity before, and so like for me, it was very much like. I didn't realize that that line was in Firefly. And so when I watched Firefly, I was like, hey, it's the line from from. I mean, at that point, like I saw that on a bunch of Facebook stickers or on Pinterest boards of like nerd culture stuff mm -hmm. at that point. Like that's that's I was like, hey, it's the line from online. And so like it's kind of a touchstone for me of like, I remember the first time I watched Firefly and I re realized that that's what that is from. And I said, oh, OK, I, kn I know that. And so like it. And also, I don't know anything. I, Alan Tudyk is in like a very weird like alien show that he tweets about constantly. And like, I'm never going to watch that. But I'm excited that Alan Tudyk excited about it. Like anything <laughs> Alan Tudyk does, like I'm pretty I'm pretty jazzed about to, it. To that point, though, I think we also have to take this in context of like in 2002, no one wrote like Joss Whedon did. And that's why he became so successful and popular. Yeah which enabled him to then be a very bad man with a lot of power. Um, but like everyone is riffing on him now. Like yeah. a whole generation of TV writers grew up watching Joss Whedon shows. They grew up watching Buffy and Angel and Firefly and Dollhouse. They watched the Avengers movies and they're all professional writers now. And they're all just trying to copy him mm -hmm. or every studio on earth was trying to copy what he did with Avengers yeah. and have a shared cinematic universe. And even people that so, are like, successful in their own right of the same age group, he was enabling them to like, it's on the record that guardians of the galaxy is as James Gunn as it is because Joss Whedon pushed for it to be as James Gunn as it is. And because they come from mm -hmm. the same sort of, we were the kids of the George Perez era comics. And now we are here in the nineties trying to break in. So that's, that's still all over. And it's like, yeah, you sort of appreciate it historically, I guess. It feels saturated now because we've seen a bunch of imitators trying to do what he did. And, uh, that isn't to take away from, from anyone who says like, Oh yeah, it doesn't hit for me because like, right. that's your experience. But, I do think at the time that sort of quippy try hard writing was pretty groundbreaking to have characters talking and joking like that in a serious sci-fi show. Uh, Alden, before, before we go down another rabbit hole, where can people find you? You could find I'm, I'm landing serenity. Uh, you're, you're just, you're yep, taking the reins, bringing us home in your Hawaiian shirt. Evan and I didn't eat dinner, and I think if we don't go eat, I, he'll I've, he'll start chewing on me. I've so. also had to pee for like forty five minutes. <laughs> no, no. You, oh, wait, only ten more minutes. <laughs> oh. You just have a little setup, like you're in the back of the car, a little bottle. Um, you could find me uh, personally at that Alden Diaz, T H A T A L D E N D I A Z, talking Star Wars uh, on the Octo Radio Star Wars podcast, where I'm currently doing my Mandalorian Diaries every week. 
There's also the core of the show is interviews, one-on-one interviews with different people in the Star Wars space. So I have Lydia Kang, a higher public author, that's going to be coming up this week. Uh, Casually Talk with Ken Napsok, where we talk about Ice and Fire, Lord of the Rings, Willow, and other fantasy stuff, uh, which Andy will be appearing on as soon as I get past Star Wars Celebration. I'll start actually scheduling stuff. And speaking of that, I'll be at Star Wars Celebration, so catch me Sunday at 4 p.m. in room 14 uh, with Triad of the Force talking about Latin representation in Star Wars. This is going to be coming out after that, but oh, uh, then look for catch, it on YouTube. Catch the, catch the episodes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Catch it. Catch it post celebration. And you can find my dog on all my socials. Oh, he's a good, he's a good, good, a good boy. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. He's such a good boy. Uh, he's very cute. He's a very he doesn't good have dog. headphones, but I know he can mm. hear me. It's he's got yeah. the he vibes. Knows. He's like I know him. A good boy. Uh, this has been ending pending. Um, you can't take the sky from us is that our new sign off what's our sign off ronnie um i that's that is up to you alden thank you so much for coming on we really really appreciate it i love hanging out with you uh uh, and thank you for coming on for such a long episode this was a fucking blast uh if you can't walk crawl and if you can't crawl crawl find someone to guest on your podcast Nailed that was it. the one. Absolutely nailed it. Yeah, no that one, was the one. There was no no hiccups. I was trying that. to. Nope. I was trying to think. I was like, "What <laughs> is a good there. Firefly sign off?" I was like, "I forgot everything about it for those two seconds." Where they may radio.